remember growing up making the perfect mixtape was an art? It would take hours or even days to get the mood just right. It's an art that's nearly been lost in today's drag and drop digital playlist world. We're four friends of 35 years with many, many mixtapes between us. Join us each episode as we pick a theme, discuss the songs, and build an infinite mixtape. Welcome to the Mixtape Diaries. Uh, welcome back to the Mixtape Diaries. We bring you another episode, um, hard and fast upon the last one. We'll be doing another grab bag today, but before we get to our four songs, let's um, let's talk announcements. If you're listening to us, you found us most likely on iOS, Spotify, Google Play. You might just try other platforms, see if we sound any better there. See if see if we are there. Let us know. Um, we're wondering how far and wide we can reach. Twitter feed at MT Diaries. Um, we need to get cracking on that, guys. We need to do better. Get some tweets out. The playlist is, of course, um, also on Apple and Spotify. Just search for the Mixtape Diaries. You'll find it. I think we're probably pushing upwards of 150 songs now. Um, you could spend the day listening to our selections, and we'd be interested to hear what you like, what you didn't like. So reach out, share the podcast, rate the podcast, review the podcast. And if you don't like the podcast, don't do any of those things. <laughs> just keep those opinions to yourself. Yeah. 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 So anyway, moving forward today, we're just doing another grab bag. Four songs we like. Four songs we're thinking about. Around the horn. This will be a quick one. Or as quick as Speak four for talkative yeah. folks can make of it. Yeah. <laughs> Mark's got some stuff to say. That's what he's telling you. When don't I? <laughs> I think look. you're first. I, oh, yeah. I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah. I haven't gone first in a long time now. This is like a pressure opening act. Jesus, hopefully I don't bomb. Oh no, it's uh, going first is always easiest because you can just you get it out of the way. Yeah, I guess. Oh, think of it this way: I definitely warmed up the crowd with my crap ass intro. I think <laughs> <laughs> if they're not up there with torches and pitchforks, uh, well, then you're lucky. Uh, that's the, that's the whole point of that button in your in your podcast player where you can skip ahead like 15 seconds, right? All you got to do is give them a reason not to turn this off because they are so freaking close. You're like Midge Maisel, like opening up the strip club at the in, her, in the latest season. Eh? You're trying to warm exactly. up a crowd that just wants to see topless gals, right? So like, get off the stage. Take your top off. <laughs> this was a great season. It's quick. Uh, yeah, it, it was. We just finished oh, it last I'm, night. It's so I'm not good. done yet. I'm not done yet. So. It's so good. Zip it. Zip it. To- Tony hey. Shaloub. Mm. Oh, so good. It's the best part of the whole show. I'm start I'm started over. I got I gotta watch more of it and the only more of it there is to watch are the old ones, so yeah. Well, okay, let's uh let's kick this off then. Grab bag what is this, our third third mm-hmm. grab bag? It is. Oh, okay. I've been trying to work this song in for quite some time and it just hasn't worked out in any theme that we've been doing other than grab dab grab dab bleh. <laughs> That's easy for you to say. Maybe you'll just do that little cassette tape rewind thing <laughs> right here. So I went with a an artist who is known as King Cruel, which is a stage name. Archie Ivan Marshall, born August 24th, 1994, um, goes by the stage name King Cruel. Um, and he is an English singer-songwriter, musician, rapper, and record producer so pretty eclectic here i love this guy stumbled upon him several years ago in the 
East End of London in a small clothing shop when I was on a market trip checking out trends and this was playing in the uh in the shop and I was like holy cow what is this and it was you know thank god for Shazam because like Brad I could just hit the Shazam um in the most hipster places in the world and continue to <laughs> somewhat stay relevant and current with music so that this was yeah, one of those discoveries ask. you never do yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, so I feel like, okay, I'm hip, I'm with it, ducka ducka uh. Um, <laughs> anyway, I picked the song Easy, 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 and he recorded this song at the ripe old age of 18. He's a young Londoner, and um, I just I just love this song. It appeared on the album Six Feet Beneath the Moon, and I feel like this is like the second coming of Billy Bragg. That's just immediately what came to mind when I heard this song. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I think if you haven't heard King Cruel before, he definitely has these pretty amazing vocals. The genres they stick them in are everything from indie rock to jazz fusion to trip hop to electronic to avant rock. So you can see that he's pretty eclectic and folks just don't know really how to label him. But I think um, one of the things you'll find is like a lot of his his tracks do have a kind of a jazzy guitar and kind of dubby production. And I just love this easy, easy song. I can, I can listen to it over and over and over again. And like I said, I feel like there's, um, he's like a young Billy Bragg, which is pretty cool. Can I hear a modern take on it? So curious what y'all thought of it, but that's, that, that's the pick I went for. And this makes it into my rotation quite a bit. And for some reason has been recently kind of has crept back in just randomly. Searching for another life And yeah, I think, maybe I think you're growing your eyesight Well, easy, easy There's no need to take that Yeah, I listened to this album quite a bit. I love this song and I love that whole record. It's like perfectly lo-fi and it's a little, feels a little stripped down in spots. And I just, I love his voice. I just, I agree with you. I see the Billy Bragg comparisons and it's great. It's a great listen. Is that true of all of his stuff? Or, I mean, definitely the Billy Bragg jumped out. This is the first song I've ever heard by King Cruel and this is the first time I've ever heard King Cruel's name except maybe earlier in the text thread I think you, you threw some songs around Mark yeah so I, I is it all kind of in this kind of same mode or is you're saying trip hop and I don't really get the trip hop with this in particular I just think to Mark's point this is a classic case of no one knows how to categorize this music so they keep yeah. like picking like random because I wouldn't necessarily say jazz fusion either um, I, to be honest, I haven't listened to any of the other records ever aside from this one and any of his other, like he has several other monikers, like as he releases music of different genres. So, you know, like his hip hop records are under his own name. Like his hip hop record is under Archie Marshall. Yeah. It's, um, well, if you have a hip hop name, like Archie Marshall, like <laughs> use it. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> His uh, his godfather was the drummer for Aztec Camera. 
Oh, look at you with the deep cut. That's a factoid. <laughs> it is kind of it is kind of crazy when you go through and look at like influences for him. They're all over the place, and I, I think that just that emphasizes that it's so hard to classify uh, what any of his sound is. That it is such a a weird, crazy fusion of so many different things. But it, yeah, I mean, it's they're they're crazy songs because you you can't place them really and i i feel like some some of his like if you listen to kind of his album some of his songs do kind of teeter on that british rap kind of like the streets mm-hmm. or right. kate tempest I, I put them all like especially him i feel like he's a nice compliment he's almost like the male compliment to kate tempest but goes a little more singy versus you know she tends to be a lot more spoken word um but musically i feel like there's a lot of similarities there but I just think about the first time I heard Billy Bragg, which again, I think Carly, I think you're the one that probably I was with the first time I heard Billy Bragg. I think he put it on one of your mixtapes. And I just, you just don't hear voices like that. So here you, here you are like in the tooth late, you know, like late, he was born in 96. So you figure 20 years later, you know, late in the 2000s, here's a voice like Billy Bragg that I haven't heard since Billy Bragg that I was just like, holy shit, this is really good. So I enjoy this. It's, it's great. It's great to have in, a, in into a playlist. So I'm glad to get this into our playlist because I think as you shuffle through, this is a nice song that'll just like rotate in with a mix of everything else we've got going on. So yeah, I'm glad you added it because I know we've been you have been kicking this one around for a while, and you had two other songs. <laughs> I was like, do this one, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, so I'm going to catch up here. If I'm wanting to listen to more King Cruel and listen to good King Cruel, what should I? What album should I be playing first? Definitely this one. This album is a good starter album because okay, it's a debut. Six Feet Beneath the Moon. Six Feet Beneath the Moon. Okay. I'm on it. This is good stuff. And same old Bobby, same old beat. <laughs> is that my intro? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to... Clockwork here at the Mixtape Diary. <laughs> My song, it shouldn't be any surprise what my song sounds like here. So um, my song is by Dressy Bessie. It's the things that you say that you do uh, off of their self-titled album, Dressy Bessie. It's exactly what you'd expect to hear from me. Tammy Elam has a, a, a crazy great voice. It's kind of interesting. Their first couple albums don't have quite the same sound as this album, Dressy Bessie. They started to kind of turn up the guitar a little bit, and I, I think that's the thing that, especially about this album, that I like. I probably discovered this album in the last year or two, and it just popped up on shuffle, and it's one of those songs that kind of makes you stop and go, oh, whoa, why have I never heard this before? And this particular album, Dressy Bessie, I think is good front to back. Um, every track on it is is fantastic. It's one of those albums that you just have to go listen to. They're a band from Denver. They've been around for quite a while, 
and they had a little bit of kind of commercial success in the early 2000s. I did some TV appearances and things like that, and they, a couple of their songs have shown up on soundtracks for TV shows and movies. And so to me, they don't get the kind of notoriety that they should. I, I think they're a super strong band. Production is always super clean on their songs, and, and they just, to me, they just rock. So uh, so that's that's my choice. I'd never heard of this ever. So this was like my first introduction to Dressy Bessie. And how many bands can you say are from Denver, Colorado? I feel like that's like a first for me too. I can't think of anybody that comes to mind. Maybe were the samples from Colorado? I think that's that's like a band that comes to mind that I can think of that would be in my catalog. But otherwise, I don't know who else. So kudos. Apples and Stereo, who I guess are a related band. Yeah. Yeah, not a not a not a ton of output from Denver. Yeah, what's going on? Which is a big city. Yeah, come on, just, Denver. There's ski- <laughs> too much skiing. I, oh, right. Do there's, more of this. There's too many other things to do. Yeah, right? yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a, a a rocking great little song. They 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 get kind of classified as indie rock or power pop, but I, I think I think it's maybe a little edgier than that. But uh, I, yeah, I I just love this album. Uh, it's such a great album. Was this this was '90s, right? Uh, so this album is 2003, oh. I believe. Okay. Um, but they started as a band in the mid-90s. Um, yeah, and so those first couple albums definitely kind of sound that way. And then I think they kind of found their groove and their sound there once they got into these these albums at the beginning of the 2000s. I'm going to come in hot here, Bob, and I'm going to say that I freaking love this. <laughs> I think I I don't know maybe of the of the other three of us I'm maybe the one that that latches onto this kind of sound maybe more than I don't know I feel like you and I are kindred spirits of this kind of <laughs> pop punk um, female vocals right kind of in the tradition of the, of Cub the Muffs all right maybe a little Veruca Salt here 100 percent up my alley I just I just love this I, I it was a song that I it's the way it sounds I thought it should be shorter. Yeah, and it kept kind of going. I was fine with that. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you go as long as you want with this. Yeah, and that's kind of the that's the way the whole album is. If you listen to it front to back, I mean, there are definitely different sounds throughout the album, but yeah, it is kind of one of those albums where when it's over, you're like, ah, oh, man, I, I might have to go back and play that again. Yeah, that's great. So I had never heard I had never heard the name Dressy Bessie. I assumed it was a new band that was doing stuff a lot like bands that were around in the late nineties and would have been recording in 2003. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) instead it's just somebody I wish I'd known about a long time ago. Right. Right. And that's definitely when I heard this song the first time I was like, Oh, well this must be a new band because why have I never heard this before? And then when you find out where they're from time wise, you're like, why have I not heard this band before? You have such a knack for finding bands like this, and they're all great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there lousy ones that you set aside? And uh, like, are you the guy who vets all this stuff, uh, or is it just all good? I, I can't. Maybe I, just... yeah, I can't. I can't share my secrets. <laughs> I I just think this is like I think we've said this several times, but this just sounds like you know like <laughs> i hear this music and i'm like yep 
this makes sense. That it would be <laughs> right. that he would be bringing this to the playlist. Yeah. Yeah. I, and when I listen to it, I'll just think of Meister and smile. <laughs> right. So there you go. Dressy Bessie. Who's next? That's uh, me, I think. Oh, Brad. I'm coming at you with probably a familiar name. Um, this the song I chose was Tiny Machine by the Darling Buds from 1990. Uh, I feel like I've been kind of going back into the 70s, 60s, doing a lot of that lately. But I figured just get back to my roots here. This is late 1980s English indie rock. I saw the word twee pop on Wikipedia what? for this band. <laughs> um, but the guitars are a lot meatier than I think is appropriate for something that you'd call twee pop. This is way more Blondie than Bell and Sebastian. Maybe the Primitives is a good comparator. The album is Crawdaddy. Issued in 1990. Who here had a copy of this album back in the day? Oh, gosh. Uh, no. That So that that's the surprise of surprises because all three of us had our hands in the air and yeah. Bob didn't have it. Yeah. This is a, this is a Bob band, I feel it, like. It is, yeah. They sold this CD new for like seven ninety nine. Do you guys remember that? Like it was like on the cheap. I, I don't know why. Every other CD in the store was like fifteen dollars or more, and this was eight bucks. Mine was f- free because it was a Columbia House. <laughs> oh, maybe that's how I got it. Yeah, that's how I got mine. Yeah. Well, you guys were suckers because you should have spent seven dollars on it and got one of the fifteen dollar ones <laughs> oh, through Columbia. They got House. it for a penny. No, I I got it for a penny and then never paid anything else. <laughs> probably same Uh, didn't we all (laughs) i'm still still running from creditors (laughs) he looks over his shoulder everywhere he goes maybe you can edit that part out (laughs) we're the reason why columbia house went out of business Mm -hmm. (laughs) this i think tia turned me on to the darling buds way back in the day that seems right she absolutely did yes she She absolutely absolutely did did, because i when i hear this band think of this band hear darting buds i'm like where's tia when you need Same. her because i can right. still think to this day riding around in that saturn of hers <laughs> with this album cranked to the max like yeah. yes listening to her sing it so i'll have to ask her next time i talk to her where where she heard of it she, i remember she played it makes no difference for me and i was like yeah i kind of i kind of like that so um good. then she played a little bit of heaven for me a little bit of heaven was the one that that set me off i just i love that it had uh, just a little bit of that Manchester kind of baggy sound in it. There was the wah-wahs. There was kind of a funky beat. If I had my timeline right, I was I think I was really into the Roses back then. And so then I heard this and I thought, it's kind of parked in between, right? Regular indie rock and the Manchester stuff. Totally. You can hear some of those wah-wahs too on Tiny Machine, but never so much that it isn't really just kind of straight ahead modern rock. I don't know if you can still get the CD for seven ninety nine, but if, if you can, 
go get it. Every song on this is terrific. Where, so, do, you, where do you get CDs? Yeah, Amazon. Amazon's got some some facility somewhere with the last remaining CDs. So <laughs> buy them while you can. Um, speaking about speaking of right old timey media. Back in those days, right, we only had F- AM, FM in our car and a tape deck. So you'd buy, you know, a 90-minute TDK or Max L cassette and record an album on both sides, right? So in addition to making the mixtapes that we talk about all the time, just as important an application was getting something you could play in your car. And so I had a cassette tape. I might actually still have it in the crawl space here. I am always reaching for props, but that's a little too far for me to go. Um <laughs> I had a mixed, I had a cassette tape with Crawdaddy on one side and Cake by the Trash Can Sinatra's on the other, and I played the shit oh, out yeah, of that, that tape that, that in my car. That would be a, a crazy tape. Yeah, yeah. This was senior year in high school, and I, I was taking those morning courses at YSU, right? And then I'd come to school for fourth period, and so when I hear the Darling Buds, it just it puts me on Route 11 in wintertime, driving back to Warren in the late morning from Youngstown, snow on the ground. Bright sun, road clear, singing at the top of my lungs. Just, just love this. I love when an album can do that. It can put you in a in an exact place and time every time you listen to it. I absolutely love that. And it's always it's always snow in the ground. I don't know why, but that's, <laughs> that's there must it, have been a day where it's it just stuck. you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, when it really landed and stuck. Tiny Machines track two on Crawdaddy. I read earlier in the week that. Um, it was one of the singles that the Darling Buds released off this album, which mm-hmm. kind of surprised me because it's a six-minute track on the album. But it turns out they did a four-minute radio edit. I found the video on YouTube yesterday. It's absolutely a document of the late 80s. If I had seen it on 120 Minutes, I would most assuredly have fallen in love in, with Andrea Lewis instantly. I must not have because Harriet Wheeler's the crush that I uh. carry with me <laughs> to this day. Uh, one of their uh, one of their songs was featured on the soundtrack of "So I Married an Axe Murderer." It sure was. That is right. Uh, <laughs> so getting a lot of attention today. Uh, yeah, it is. Here. So if you've listened to our St. Patrick's Day uh, uh, episode, <laughs> now we've gone full circle. So that was uh, that was one of their, their later albums. I I only have this one. Never went any further. Never needed to. This is just perfect. I was the same. I don't. I don't even know that I've listened to any of their other records. Just that one, yeah. But it is perfect. Every song's terrific on it. Yeah, makes no difference to me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they got exactly eight dollars of my money and no more. <laughs> well, right. there you go. <laughs> Which is too bad because they they. I got so much value for that. Anyway, wanted to get them in. Glad to get them in. The grab bag pick. was a a good angle for doing it. That's on to you, Carla. All right. Well, I might have picked our loudest uh, entry. Oh, oh definitely. That's a punchy little number, <laughs> Carla. So I picked a newer artist, which in itself is odd for me. But I picked Liz Cooper, and the song is Hot Sass, which is off of her latest release, which came out in September, uh, this just this past September, 2021. I actually have had a song that I've had liked in my Spotify for a really long time, and it's called Motions. And this was on her first album, her 2018 record, Window Flowers, when the band is called Liz Cooper and the Stampede. That is a great song. I'll share it with y'all afterwards. But I started to Google her and realized that she lived in Nashville for nine years, and I had no clue. So then I kind of started going down the rabbit hole 
and realized she released this new record. I think she's still with the same band, but they were really kind of categorized in that Americana genre. And she felt like having a band name of the Stampede kind of pigeonholed her in that in that genre. So they dropped the Stampede. And I just started listening to this record and it was insane. And there plopped in the middle of it is Hot Sass. And it is straight punk rock meets modern rock. And then with everything Brad and I have been talking about with Krautrock, there's definitely some synth manipulation in there with bleeps and bloops and what sounds like tape manipulation. And I got all excited about Krautrock again. And decided that this was the song that I had to pick. psychedelic folk rock which yeah i didn't hear that (laughs) no you hear that more in the in the 2018 album although i still hear you know honestly the album's great i probably like 60 percent of it the beginning of it is a little too the beginning and the end is a little too americana for me that is like not a genre that i love but the middle is just like straight modern rock like indie rock Lucky Charm is another song that I really that I really liked off that and considered that one too. But it's just so rare that you hear a song that is like straight punk rock that comes out in 2021 that I couldn't just leave that on the table. I had to bring it out. <laughs> yeah, I it kind of it kind of blows me away for everything you just said, Carla. But also because it's not when you look at the genres. <laughs> that this is classified as and the songs that kind of go around it and the fact that this that she's this band is open for lord huron and phosphorescent at times in their life i'm like huh? right right like, which is leans more towards the americana side for sure but then this little ditty is is Just, something else yeah it is something else <laughs> Well, yeah, is she trying to flush the Nashville out of her uh, right yes. now? Right, change yeah. the name, mm-hmm. do some, do do a punk rock song. That's what she yeah. said that she considers this record to be closing the chapter of her nine years here. Huh? Get the hot chicken and run. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is hot chicken music, man. This is like, you know, I give um, I give props to her label. She's on uh, the record label. She's on is Thirty Tigers and. That label here has just really done a terrific job with finding. They're mainly Americana, and they're most known kind of for that genre. But they really find some just terrific bands and just kind of let them, you know, be the artists they want to be if they kind of want to roam into another um, another direction like Liz Cooper did with this record. So I feel like there's not a lot of labels out there like that anymore, and they're still a small independent label. I find it interesting it's when asked what types of music influence her, she says the 60s, 70s, meeting people, my surroundings, traveling, jazz, bossa nova, random music that I'll hear when I'm driving through random places in Colorado where there's only one station and it's really strange and I'm stuck with it. Everything influences me. I feel like that encompasses 
a lot of, like I've listened to the album twice since you kind of threw this our way and I feel like when I read that randomly I'm like oh this now the album it makes total makes sense, sense. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like I'm at an age now where the, before you know you would listen for signs of your band not wanting to sound like it was supposed to anymore <laughs> and you'd get mad about it what like what was that song that song on that album that was was veering too off far off the track now I'm like give me something that's got a little bit of everything right I don't know that that that's it's called maturity bread well and I think I think though <laughs> I don't it's, go that far <laughs> it's one of those things too that I think can start to happen now with bands where uh you're not necessarily recording for labels and and you don't have to try to put everything together into a studio session. Like if you have an idea for a song, you, you just call up your bandmates and you get together for an afternoon and you crank it out and you're doing it on your laptop and it sounds like you've been in a studio and 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 there it is. You can release it. So I think that's one of the things that's a little interesting about bands now is that they're not afraid to experiment with different sounds because it's not expensive to do that that you're really just going to plug all your gear in, plug it into a laptop, record a song, and it didn't cost you anything to do that. So I think that's one of the things that's kind of fun is that you get bands that decide to do something because this song does not sound like anything that you just described this band should sound like. No, I know. Right. So, uh, you know, the first time you sent this song, I listened to this song and was like, yeah okay right, what right, does the rest right. of this album sound like and you're like wait a minute i clicked on the wrong thing <laughs> and you're like right oh, no i i am still on the same album like what is happening here so there's a great interview which is actually how i found this song in in uh it's american songwriter magazine which is also based here and that's what kind of turned me because is the way she was describing this song in particular i was like okay i need to listen to this song and i was like wait a minute <laughs> what is the rest of i did the same thing like what does the rest of this record sound like and it is a little bit all over the place but i think to your point right it's she's staying true to kind of what she was feeling and and just true to her roots which lend to be a little more you know americana is one of those weird genres that are it's I don't even know how to describe what Americana is. Sometimes it's alt country. It's a little Wilco-y yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, is the best right. way to think about it. Billy Bragg sometimes kind of gets folded into that. I mean, he's here a lot. Full he's here every year. He's here for the Americana Festival every single year. But then she was able to explore with, you know, really doing more like modern rock stuff. So, so two totally disconnected thoughts. One, um, I'm, I'm Googling her as we talk and I found an article on Forbes reviewing her album, which is interesting. Forbes is reviewing. <laughs> Forbes will take any content now, guys. <laughs> wow. I, I, I used to wild. pitch fashion articles to them. <laughs> God. I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, okay. So that's one thing. The other thing is I think about you two, you two decided in the nineties that they wanted to sound different. I hated it and I still hate it. I guess I don't, the question is if I had like walked in cold to U2 and like heard one of those 90s songs that was totally different, I'd be like, oh, wow, this is really cool and interesting. I don't know. Well, and then the thing that is always crazy about that is if that's your introduction to a band like U2, since that's your example, 
and you listen to those songs, if you went back to their first albums, you'd be like, what the heck is this? This sucks, man. <laughs> we went back right. to like Sunday a- Bloody Sunday. <laughs> like, what? Right. Uh, right. So, so we shouldn't be deciding who a band is or should be based on the first <laughs> first album we've heard. <laughs> well, and, and I think it is one of those things that's kind of interesting of new bands is I think now you have access to everything. And so you yeah. have your influence now is so varied and vast that, you know, you look at bands that came up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and you really only had access to what you had access to. Right. Uh, but now you what, have... What you could buy with your lawn mowing money. Right, or what your parents your range listened of to, or, or maybe what your friends listened to. But now you have everything. Uh, and even to the point where even the software that you use to record music now has all of its own built-in stuff. So if you're only a guitar player and you need a drummer to play with, you can open up GarageBand, fire up a robot drummer, and it'll play a drum track for you. And, and Hey, don't put us out of business, <laughs> well, man. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it, it, that's kind of the crazy part of that. So now you have bands that kind of defy description and, and on an album have three or four different genres, for lack of a better word, of songs on an album and it it's kind of crazy and this is a prime example of that the song is so crazy different from the rest of the album that you're almost like what like what even happened to get them (laughs) to the point to record this song and and then you're kind of like well I, i like this song so why aren't they recording more of this kind of song and even within the song right there's the time changes yeah i yeah. I, mean, I love that yeah there's that camper van beethoven club med sucks song that kind of goes in the same vein right there's just these howls of feedback and then then there's that just fast thrash punk i don't know yeah i'm always a sucker for that well so one of the things that i thought was kind of interesting about this this album being so crazy different and then this particular song and then them being from Nashville was then my my next thought, not that they're necessarily the same, is that you have Bully from Nashville. And so then you wonder, like, is there this kind of, like, are you seeing the beginning of something kind of weird and crazy coming out of Nashville that's like this new kind of uh, sound, whatever, however you want to classify it, but it's coming out of, like, uh, we're not country music Nashville. So I would say this is act this could be the second wave of this. I think when Bully first started, that was an era where there were tons of just incredible rock bands here. I mean, just ugh, it was it was awesome. It was awesome to go to just club shows and just hear these guys and and girls just like rip it up. That was n- you would not even realize that you were in a town known for country music. And then that kind of faded away a bit. And I don't, I don't know why. I think there was kind of a shift in the industry and that probably played into it. But hearing this like gave me some hope that maybe we're turning the corner again here. And there's, you know, we're going to hear from, from more bands like, like Liz Cooper that are, you know, more of a harder rock 
an edge again. Because there was a time there in the mid 20 teens mm -hmm. where tons of rock, tons of indie rock, tons of hip hop. It was awesome. And then I just feel like it kind of subsided for a little bit. And now hopefully it's coming back again because it's really fun to see these bands grow up. Were those local bands or were mm -hmm. they pulling in people? I mean, I, you know, I know Jack White went down there. And then didn't, no. well, and didn't the that. black keys go down there because mm -hmm. the white stripes went down there. And they're still here. They're all they're all still here. Um, but I'm thinking of bands like Jeff the Brotherhood, and if you guys haven't ever heard of them, definitely look the first Jeff the Brotherhood album is awesome. I think Diarrhea Planet is from here. Another great band. <laughs> cha cha cha. Awesome name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mark and I had to set a little side exchange. I saw that. <laughs> Double birds over here. That was over the black keys, right? It sure was. There's a rivalry between Brad and I over keys and stripes. But um, <laughs> but but on the topic of, of Nashville and what, what Newell was kind of asking is, Nashville's just become, and you know, while they're known for the country music side of it, for sure, it's become one of the, the top music towns and scenes in music not even just in in north american music and i think people go down there record of all genres it's got to be a good place to record yeah, yeah i mean like think around like where are there really music scenes to the level of like having such a plethora of genres in in the in the u.s or the world at this point i mean sub pop was there for a while like but where are the big studios i guess people are still recording in new york obviously people are still recording here in la but i feel like nashville's become like just this kind of central hub for all things music especially and you're getting all sorts of genres down there and people that are posting up with full-on studios and so it doesn't surprise me that we're starting to see more range of artists and more types of music coming out of Nashville now like this. And I, I thought the exact same thing, Meister, as like, oh, here's Carla throwing down something like Bully, which she which I'm still mind blown by, by the way. I love I, She's I, so good. I really only listen to that song in the car and it's like kind of <laughs> dangerous because I get so amped up in the car on it. But like this was just another one. I'm like, ooh, I, I thought of Bully right away. Maybe it's wrongfully thinking of that because it's Nashville. It's Carla. She's introducing yet another kind of angsty song like this. But like, I just, it's just so opposite of all the other, other recordings by Lizzie that it's just kind of, it is mind blowing. Yeah, it's great. And I think now a lot of people here are just recording in their home studios. There are so many home studios here that I think most people are, that's how they're recording versus going straight, going into a studio. And it used to be that, if you were a rock band here, it was very hard to get your, it wasn't so much even recording. It was finding a producer who could produce you to get that rock sound. So a lot of those bands were going to New York and LA because they're just, there just wasn't an appetite for that here from a production standpoint. That has definitely changed. And I, and I, you know, if some of those bands might be producing themselves, but now I think there's a lot just the production talent here is just different and more varied. And I think it's just easier to do all of that now too, than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. It's, it's so easy. I mean, it's not, it's not expensive to do with just a little bit of equipment. You've got everything that you need to have a studio quality sound. So 
I wonder if it's just that studios down there are trying to fill up studio time to make themselves relevant still and pay their bills that, yeah, okay, yeah. anybody can come in and record. It's been super volatile here over the, you know, really over the past decade. And a lot of those little independent labels all got eaten up by the bigger guys. And, you know, that I think had an impact on the diversity of the music that we started to see here too. And then people just started putting out their own recordings because they could and it suddenly became easy and the software was there and it was easier to connect with producers in New York and LA to come down and produce a record in a home studio. Like it's just easier now than it was. I mean, look at us, mixtape diaries, grassroots all the way. Well, and it's super easy to do this too. I mean, we're, we record everything through a website and I've seen so many music videos in the past two years, obviously from the pandemic where bands aren't even playing in the same room or even at the same time that I'm going to record my track. I email it to you. You put it in your software, you play with it, and then you send it on to the next person. They record their track and play to the other two tracks. And by the time you're done, you've got a six-piece band playing and none of you even sat face-to-face. So it's super easy to do that kind of stuff. And I guess that's the that kind of brings me back to my point earlier, that it's super cool that you can see bands now just do something that's so totally... Uh, just not what they're known for and and they just go for it and do something totally crazy and it's awesome that they're able to do that stuff yeah that's why i was excited to find this because i had never heard her before but i will share that song motions which was like the catalyst for all this because i do love that song and her vocal on it is just fantastic i really love it good pick carla yeah and look at that i mean you got us to talk you know like 30 minutes about music production and (laughs) <laughs> of which we know yeah, we went down around imagine if we knew something <laughs> yeah, about right. it yeah <laughs> i know nothing about it yet we talked about it i was i've been i've dabbled in and out of that industry for a hot minute here so <laughs> like i said it makes no difference to me uh, <laughs> uh well those are those are four great choices guys if i if i do throw my own choice in there yeah i mean that's a that's a Throw your choice in there, man. That choice freaking rocked. <laughs> I'm like, um, I, I, I love these little grab back episodes. They're fun because we get these songs that maybe defy description and don't fit into the categories that we try to come up with, the themes that we come up with for our bigger episodes. So uh, I'm loving these. I hope our listeners are enjoying them as well. You can grab my bag any day. And see. I'm going to edit that out. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. (laughs) All right, take it easy, guys. Until next time. See ya. Bye.